Welcome to Walking in Faith, a weekly podcast dedicated to examining the Bible to help lifelong seekers of the kingdom of God expand their faith and understanding by exploring God's Word. Now let's join Pastor Rob Harrington as he shares this week's message. Take your Bibles, if you would, and we're going to turn to John chapter 16, or excuse me, John chapter 18. We're going to get to it here in a moment. I want to talk about embracing the truth. I want to take the first message of the year 2023. I can't believe it's 2023. And focus on the importance of truth. This past year or the last two, three years, we have experienced a war against truth. Now, this really has been a war that's generations old, millennia old, but we've seen it more accelerated these last two to three years. Now, I'm not speaking about disagreements about facts, science, philosophies, or ideas that are part of normal conversation. These, these are things, that, that's one of the things that is interesting. When someone says the science is settled, then that means there is no such thing as science. The whole point of science is ever discovering, ever exploring. There are few things that we've come to, to believe and understand as law when it comes to science. So I'm not speaking about those normal things that we may de- debate, we may disagree, even spiritual things where reasonable people may come to scripture and say, well, I think this is what this says. And someone else can say, but I believe this is what scripture has. There there are going to be those types of moments and topics. What I'm speaking about are those things which have been regarded as true, as facts, for generations, centuries, and even millennia. Things such as a biological sex, gender, marriage, etc. These are the truths that are the underpinnings of society. They are under attack. The proverbial they have turned the world upside down with the erasure of historical facts about society, the midnight changing, it seems, of definitions on esteemed dictionaries and other universities, and then just the shameless promotion of philosophies, attitudes, and behaviors that have proven to be harmful to societies, to families, and individuals. The Holy Spirit, through the prophet Isaiah, warned centuries ago, woe to those who call evil good and good evil, who put darkness for light and light for darkness, who put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. Woe to those who do such things. Now, as Christians, I think we would all agree that we desire to obey the commandments of Scripture. And when Paul tells us to live a peaceful and quiet life in all godliness and holiness, that's what we desire to do. We, we want to encourage our friends, our neighbors, our co-workers, anyone and everyone to come and see the wonderful, life-changing message of Christ. Praying that God may draw them to himself and adopt them into his family. Yet as our culture continues to plummet deeper into the mire, we need to shore up our commitment to worship our creator. The true facts of what is our purpose? What is our reason for living? In Psalms chapter 66, 1 through 5, you'll see it here on the monitor. David writes this. He writes, shout for joy to God all the earth. 
Sing the glory of his name. Give to him the glorious praise. Say to God, how awesome are your deeds. So great is your power that your enemies come cringing to you. Cringing to you. All the earth worships you and sings praises to you. They sing praises to your name, Selah. Come and see what God has done. He is awesome in his deeds towards the children of man. Father, we want to join with all of creation in this type of worship. Father, I pray that all who would hear my voice or see this video at some other time would come to know you and come to worship before you. Father, we pray for our families, our friends, and those in our neighborhoods. Father, we want to uh, bring them to know you, to come and worship you as well. Enlighten our minds and hearts as we open up Scripture as we have a desire to embrace the truth, living in a world that's hostile to our faith, Father, that we would not be blinded by the God of this world or be deceived through vain philosophies and conceit, but Lord, that your truth would reign supreme for all to see. In your name we pray, amen. John Piper once commented that missions exist because worship does not. And we think of our missions, you know, we, you know the, 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 the Doug and Marina Landro and others' missions around the world. One of the things I want to encourage you this year is continue giving in mission. We haven't done a faith promise in a while, but I want to encourage you, for those of you who made it, continue to give to missions. But why is it that we send people to the uttermost parts of the world? Why is it that we want to to send and plant churches across the world because missions have to exist because worship doesn't. When we read, shout for joy to God all the earth, sing the glory of his name. When we say that, that is not a command just for the children of God, but that is for all of creation to sing. Many times we think that God's word and God's law are just for Christians. But let me tell you, it is not. It is for all peoples. It is for all nations, for all tribes, for all ethnicities. We are to praise and worship God. All will stand before him one day and give an account of whether or not they have given him due worship. Every generation must contend with this attack against worship and truth. And that's what you're seeing here today is really what is at play when we talk about the truth, when we talk about whether it's marriage, whether it's about a gender or biological sex or, or any of the other things. It's all about worship. Will you worship God, the creator of all things, or will we worship ourselves or government or some other type of philosophy, some other types of things that satisfies us? But that's what worship is, is giving thanks to God. And recognizing that all good things come from him. We need to be reminded that the God of this world has blinded the minds of all of humanity. Everyone is born with a mind that is hostile to the creator. Today it seems that this attack has been accelerated at a speed that is hard to fathom. Just what has happened in the last uh, five to ten years would boggle many other minds from a different generation. However, you and I must not be deterred in our commission and commandment. What's the commission? It's to teach and and baptize all peoples and all nations, teaching them to obey the things of Christ. The great commandment is to love God with our heart, our soul, our mind, 
and our neighbor as ourselves. Over the past month of December, we have focused on the incarnation of Christ and his purpose in coming in the flesh. One that must not be overlooked is that Jesus came to reveal the truth. Jesus came to reveal the truth. The concept of truth has been lost, especially today. Carl Truman, in his book, Strange New World, writes that, the, that experience has replaced truth. You've heard the feeling of facts over feelings, but today it's feelings over facts. He calls this expressive individualism, where everyone is an individual and we are to express our truth. And you hear that phrase, I am just speaking my truth. I am just living out my truth. He writes, looking here on the monitor, he says that the modern self is not simply one that sees inner feelings as authoritative, and that's what they see, is how I feel is more authoritative, as more authority than anything else. He goes on to write, the modern self also largely rejects the idea that human nature has any intrinsic moral significance. So in other words, I can live my life any way that I want. We can see this many times, is the value of life is going down. I think, what is it this just this year, starting today in Canada, uh, euthanasia is now almost just a, a total gen, uh, generality, even for young children. Uh, if, you're, if you're feeling bad, if you have troubles, the story, uh, this is just an antidote, is this uh, uh, one Canadian lady who lost a leg in, in, uh, in the army, in the military. She was trying to get a hold of what they would call our, what, uh, the vet, the, the vet, or not the veterinarian, but the, um, what, the VA, their version of the VA to get some help. Instead, they offered her a euthanasia packet. And all she was trying to help is get a prosthetic for her leg. But this is the type of society we have when, when life is very, very uh, uh, undervalued. He goes on to note that the rest of this mindset is that today the self is entirely plastic. In other words, it's something that you can mold and make in your own image. In the external world, right down to our bodies, he says, is liquid. Something that offers no firm ground upon which to build an identity. Hence, it's okay to say that a boy can be a girl and a girl can be a boy. Or you can be a, an animal or fury or some other type of odd thing. You are to remake yourself. There is no truth beyond what you believe in your mind. He remarks that expressive individualism and that this elevation of feeling over facts has had a devastating effect, uh, effect on the order of society. He writes that the notion of a sacred order has been largely abandoned. In other words, uh, churches and families and things in which we think that there are some things above ourselves. He writes that the fear, <clears throat> excuse me, of theocracy and the demands of the pluralism that marks our society have combined to make appeals to any kind of a sacred order implausible and even acceptable. In other words, don't go to your pastor. Don't go to your church. Don't go to some arcane Bible or a holy book. These things are no longer necessary. They have no authority. There is no truth found in them. Josh McDowell, a Christian apologist, writes about the two models of truth that I've shared with you before. Many of you know this. The first one is relative truth. 
That's a truth that's defined by the individual. It is subjective and situational. So what your truth may be different from the truth that is sitting next to you. Everything is relative. It depends on the circumstances. It depends on the consequences. To its adherents, those who follow this, relative truth is respectful and tolerant and peaceful to others. Absolute truth, though, is defined by God for everyone. It is objective and absolute. It is true for all peoples, for all times, and for all places. God's word is secure. It is profitable for doctrine, for, for instruction, for correction, for proof. The world, though, considers any claim for absolute truth, though, to be arrogant, intolerant, and prejudicial. Any disagreement with someone's relative truth is now considered to be a fear. It is a phobia. And you'll see that phobia thrown at the end of all things now. Or you're a racist, a misogynist, you're biased, you're prejudiced. So in this two models of truth, we see which one has won the day in the world culture, even in our politics, in our schools. Relative truth is ruling the day, but God has called us to the absolute truth. It's found in Scripture, in His truth. As Christians, we are called to be wise as serpents. We are called to destroy arguments and every lofty opinion that's raised against the knowledge of God and to take every thought captive to obey Christ. So we cannot follow this destructive path of relative truth. And we see many, many churches doing that. And we need to be very, very careful of falling into that mire. To do so, we must understand that truth is something that is outside of your own mind. It's not something that is within you. Truth is something that is discovered, not created. It's not a marketing scheme. Truth is also something to be submitted to, not controlled. And you can see that's the fight that's going on. That's the resistance that's happening. You see, the world has no anchor. Relative truth has no anchor. It is just drifting wherever it may be. And you see a collection of group of people who join together under a banner under relative truth, but eventually you see that even those letters, LGBTQIA++++, even that is just a house of cards and will eventually fold because even within that group, they cannot agree to a truth standard because their relative truth continues to push them asunder. I believe you should be in John chapter 18. Take your Bibles. <clears throat> So you and I have to find out what is that absolute truth? What is that anchor? For you and I cannot destroy those lofty opinions and those, those lies and, and open our minds unless we know what that truth is. <clears throat> In John chapter 18, Jesus stands before, before Pilate after his betrayal and arrest. And with his life hanging in the balance, he is standing before the most powerful authority in that region. Pilate has the authority to release or kill him, or so Pilate thinks, as we know scripture says much otherwise. In verse 33 of John chapter 18, we catch the story where it says, So Pilate entered his headquarters again, and he called Jesus to him. 
and said, Are you the king of the Jews? Jesus answered, Do you say this of your own accord, or did others say it to you about me? Good question. Pilate answered, Am I a Jew? Your own nation and the chief priests have delivered you over me. What have you done? What have you done to deserve this? Jesus answered, My kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would have been fighting. I might not be, that I might not be delivered over to the Jews. But my kingdom is not from the world. This is the kingdom what we've been speaking of in our series of Luke. Then Pilate said to him, So... You are a king? And Jesus answered, You say that I'm a king, and for this purpose I was born, and for this purpose I have come into the world, to bear witness to the truth. Everyone, and you may want to underline this, everyone who is of the truth listens to my voice. How does Pilate reply? What is truth? This fallen world has been asking that same question of, as Pilate has did since the beginning of time. What is truth? What is it? Where can I find it? Pilate doesn't even understand that the very truth is standing before him. There are two implications from Jesus' answer. If you're taking notes, you'll see here on the monitor. The first implication is that if Jesus' teaching means that there is a truth, there's a truth that everyone should believe. If you hear his voice, then you must listen to the truth. If you're of the truth, you would hear his voice. The second implication is that Jesus' teaching means that he came to testify to that truth. He is the key witness of what truth is. In other words, if you want to embrace the truth, then you must embrace Jesus. If you want to understand the truth, you must understand who Jesus is. If you want to listen to the truth, then you must listen to what Jesus said. So what I want to share with you is three to four ways of how Christ gave witness to that truth. And as I said before, in the end, we see that Jesus is the truth. Truth is impersonated in Christ. So number one, Jesus gave witness to the truth by speaking the truth. Jesus was born to speak about the truth to, about God or speak the truth about God as no man has ever spoken. For example, he said, truly, truly, I say to you, before Abraham was, I am. That is one of the most important truths in the, in the universe. Jesus, the historical man, is also the preexistent God. Not only does he say he existed before Abraham 2,000 years before he was born, but he also called himself the I Am. As those of you and I who have studied and looked at Exodus, we understand that that is God's name that he's given to himself, Yahweh. He is the I Am. I am the self-existing one. Then to make the plain significance of God becoming man, Jesus bore witness to the great work of salvation he would do when he said the Son of Man came not to serve, but to serve. Or not to be served, but to serve. And to give his life as a ransom for many. He said, this is the blood of my covenant that you and I are going to celebrate here in a moment. Which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. 
Jesus said, whoever believes in the Son has eternal life. Whoever does not obey the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abides, remains on him. Then again, behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Jesus was witness to what truth is by speaking the truth, by sharing with us what truly is, by helping us understand what his purpose is, what our purpose is, why he came, and how we are to respond to that. Number two, he gave witness to the truth by being the truth. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father except through me. And Jesus said, truth is in Jesus. Or Paul said, truth is in Jesus in the Philippians. In Colossians, he wrote that all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge are hidden in Christ. If we want to know the truth, then we must explore who Christ is. This is why Jesus was born. Not only still only to speak about the truth, but to embody the truth about God. We never know the truth all right when we do not know and love Christ himself. For he is the visible expression, image of an invisible God. If we have seen Christ, then we have seen God. And number three, as we continue, is dying to establish the truth. Not only was he born to bear witness to truth by speaking and being the truth, but also dying to establish the truth, to, to give us an anchor that you and I can hold on to, that we can secure our lives, our families, our minds, our, our livelihood to. The Greek word for witness, martis, became the word for martyr. Because dying for what you stand for is the ultimate witness to the truth. So in Revelation, Jesus is called, Amen, the faithful and true witness. This witness is thought of in terms of his death and his resurrection and his reign as king of kings. For example, look at the sequence of, of Revelation chapter 1 through 4 and 5 when it says, Grace to you and peace from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn of the dead, and the ruler of kings on earth. Notice the order. First, death. He's the faithful witness. Then he's the resurrection, the firstborn from the dead. And then the rule over all kings. He was born to witness the truth and the greatness of the achievement of his death. Then fourthly, by sending us to witness of the truth or to witness to the truth. That's why he says, as the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. You and I are also witnesses of the truth. If we have had that moment when we have seen Christ, when we have embraced Christ, then you and I have the truth. The church is called a pillar and buttress of the truth. One reason why we gather here is so others may see that we are the buttress of truth. Let me tell you, there are people who spent last night just boozing it up and doing all sorts of things to satisfy and pleasure themselves. And, and they're now just sleeping over, doing a, some type of hangover. There are churches that are not even meeting today, but it's only here today that we should say, no, we are here to worship, to gather. Why? Because we are the buttress of truth. There is no satisfaction outside the things of God. We are to be here because this is the importance of it. I've shared this before. I want to encourage our people. Now, I know I'm speaking to the choir, 
but maybe some of our members who are not here this morning will watch this a little bit later and see that you should be here. You should be part of the gathering of Christ's people each and every week. I know that life and vacations and things of that nature happen, but if all possible, we need to be in the church of God. Why? Because this is the truth. You and I need to be reminded of the truth. We spend seven days a week on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and all sorts of other social media and everything else, listening to the lies of the world, listening to them pushing their relative truth, their vain conceit, their, their just deception. We need at least just 45 minutes of the truth to remind ourselves of who God is and who I am. Not only that, even our own minds as Christians continually fight against the dissatisfaction many times that we have with God. We need to understand how to resist that and fight that and understand that this is the truth. The message we bring to the world is called the word of truth, the gospel of their salvation. Hence why you and I, is we can sit here and wait for people to come in. We can, we can put up social medias. We can, we can put signs out, but we need to, to get out there. We need to personally invite families and friends, neighbors and community to come and hear that which is true. When judgment comes, the condemned will be those who did not believe the truth, but had pleasure in unrighteousness let us not be one of them may our family members not be one of them this week knock on the door go to answer it I was just getting ready to go walk our dog Harley and two beautiful young ladies are there wanting to speak to me and I usually just you know I understand I usually just pass them off as soon as I say I'm a pastor or something that just kind of throws them off but it's two Jehovah Witnesses they want to share with me some good news. Please do. And so we had a polite conversation where they shared a wonderful verse, opening up with a verse in Psalms, in which God will one day take the wicked and leave them and take the blessed, those that are the righteous. And so I just took that, well, who are the righteous and who are the wicked? We took them through some verses, so on and so forth. But in the end, their message came down to it needs to be effort. God will bless our effort. And I just asked him a question, well, how is that different than any, any Mormon? How is that any different than any Muslim or any Roman Catholic in which effort is the way in which we make it to heaven? What do we do about Romans 3.23? It says that we all come short of the glory of God and that, our, that all of our righteousness are filthy rags. What do we say when none is righteous or that our heart is evil? They had no answer. Other than, well, can we bring someone else to you? Eddie, he knows a little bit more. And I just share with him, it says, you may, you may send Eddie, that's fine. If you want to come to my door to witness. But, and, but, but, but it's pressed on me as I then walked out the door with Harley, walking around the neighborhood, there was probably 20 women, young ladies, and little children, preteens and teen girls, out canvassing our neighborhood. Spreading lies, deceived. You may not have seen today, but Monday through Saturday, they're right outside. They have right by the bus stops, right over here. They got their, got a whole stand. They're out there every day. Rain, sun, sleep. They're better than the post office. They've, they have 
saturated this community right next to us. We can't even get up and go to church. We can't get the courage to share the gospel. We don't have time to hand out a track. And we have the truth. Are we the buttress? Are we the pillar? Or are we just soft social club that meets a couple times a week to encourage one another just to keep going on? We have the truth. We know the truth. We have embraced the truth and we have been called to witness to the truth. Our challenge is to not be like Pilate and ask what is truth. As children of God, we are called to be witness to the truth of Jesus. The scripture identifies those who are adopted into God's family as ambassadors of Christ, the fragrance and the aroma of Christ, the salt and light of Christ to a world that is dead, that is blinded, and that is in deadly pearl of destruction and receiving the wrath of God for eternity. As witnesses... You and I need to acknowledge the truth even in our own lives because I believe there are many times in which we are not even sure of the truth. We may say, yeah, Jesus is the truth and we say, yeah, the Bible has the truth but we don't truly acknowledge him in all that we do. Hence why we want you to read the Bible this year, the New Testament. If you can add the Old Testament, that is wonderful. We need to, number two, we need to learn the truth. We need to understand what it has. What does it mean for you and I? When it says to love your wives, to submit to your husbands, to honor your parents. What does it mean to live lives, quiet lives of holiness and godliness? What does it mean to, to live soberly and righteously in this present world? What does it mean to wait for the hope of Christ? We need to learn what scripture means by that. Not just read and check off Mark 1. But what does it mean that Jesus was tempted in the same way that you and I are tempted? What does that mean? And once we acknowledge that this is truth and we learn the truth, you and I need to surrender to the truth, submitting to it, living our lives by its commands. He didn't say just go teach them doctrine. Can you transfer some information to them? He says, no, let's transform their lives. As the scales from out come from our eyes and the light shines we need to submit. We need to surrender to it. We need to say as Isaiah did, did, here am I, send me. Then we need to share the truth. How beautiful are the feet of those who share the good news of the gospel. We need to share it. We need to say to our friends, our loved ones, our families, those who are, who are living their lives through relative truth is, hey, I hear your truth. I want to know it, I want to understand, but let me share with you another truth. Let me share with you that is what is true for all times. And we need to pray that God would give us the wisdom and the winsomeness, but also the boldness and courage to stand up for what is true. For what we're seeing in this world is just destruction. And you may think, you know what? But you know, me and my family, we'll just sit over here and we'll be fine. I'll take them out of school, I'll do this, and we'll just, they're coming for you. Every which way. 
a woman, as I've told the story, I think you've probably heard about it, but I told the story last week or the week before, a woman in Britain who was arrested for praying in front of an abortion clinic. It's against the law in Britain to either approve or do disprove. So you can't, you can't uh, protest either for abortion or against in front of an abortion clinic. So it, it's fair that way, but it also means that you can't pray. Now, this woman was not standing in front of the place praying out loud with a bunch of people. She was standing there quietly praying in her head, and they took her down and arrested her for praying in her head. That's not here. But how far away is it? So our challenge is not to be like Pilate. We need to know the truth. Our commitment to spread the gospel is to spread the gospel of the kingdom of God. In creation regained, these authors write this. Look at this. The task of God's people is to make known the good news or the new good news of God's renewed reign over the entirety of creation. Let me tell you, this is you're you're probably hearing the term uh, uh, Christian nationalists or. Uh, isn't that, is that the term that Christian nationalist? I think I got that term right. And in this case, it's saying, yes, all the world needs to recognize that it is under the reign of God. Amen? It is. Christ's kingly authority extends over the whole world. God's mission is equally comprehensive. To embody the good news that Jesus again rules over marriages, family, business, politics, art and athletics, leisure, scholarship, sex, technology. It is all under God's purview. God has created and given us the ability for all of these things. These are the common grace of God. Since the gospel, they write, is a gospel of the kingdom, that mission is as wide as creation. So you and I, our commitment is to spread that gospel, the good news, that the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent. For God is reconciling man to himself. The sad news is that too many who profess Christ have not embraced the truth. Paul David Tripp remarks that there really is no place for Christ in many people's Christianity. And we see that. That's a lot of churches. They, they, they may have Christianity as their title. They may have a Christian church, but there's really no room for Christ in that. Their faith is not actually in Christ. <clears throat> it is in Christianity and then their ability to live out whatever they may see fit as well how they might define Christianity. This kind of Christianity, he writes is really about shadow glories of human knowledge and performance. Let's just see how well and good we can be and how much we can know. It does not require the death to self. As Jesus says, die to yourself daily, take up your cross. That must always happen, he goes on to write, if love for Christ is going to reign in our hearts. Let's OVBC, as we open up 2023... Let us not be that type of Christian church. It's kind of interesting. I, don't, I want to be careful because many churches are closing. Day. Churches are closing by the hundreds every day. 
There's on Twitter, there's a picture of a church. On it, it has a banner, Black Lives Matter. And then also it has a, the LGBT flag on it. And then right on the bottom, it says for sale. You take Christ out of a church, it just becomes a building. That's all this is. This is a building. It only becomes the church when we are in it. When Christ's people are gathered together. We make the church. We are the visible expression of, of an invisible body of believers. This is uh, this has now been called moralistic therapeutic deism. We've talked about this many times. Where God has now just become something that helps us to live good lives, right? So we can live peacefully with people. So we just, we don't hurt it. You know, it, it, there's an old book, uh, Everything I Learned in Life, I Learned in Kindergarten, right? Don't take someone else's toys. Say I'm sorry. Don't hit somebody. You know, all those little things. That, that's how we just live moralistically. And then therapeutic. Well, I, you know, Christian is something that helps me make me feel better. That doesn't really change my life. It just makes me feel better. In deism, yes, there's just, there, is a, there is a higher being out there, as AA says. Your God can be a different God from my God. As Oprah says, all, leads, all roads lead to Jesus. Well, why do all roads lead to Jesus? Why does Jesus have to be the end of it? Why can't it be Allah? Why can't it be whatever in that regard? J.C. Ryle a British preacher during the 1800s writes this. You'll see this here. He says, there is a common worldly kind of Christianity in this day. Now remember, he is writing over a millennia ago. Not a millennia, over a century ago. He says, there is a common worldly kind of Christianity in this day, which many have and think they have enough. It's a cheap Christianity which offends nobody and requires no sacrifice, which costs us nothing and is worth nothing. I think of Jesus' warning to the church. You are neither cold nor warm or hot. You're lukewarm. I'll just spit you out of my mouth. You're worthless. Let us not be worthless in 2023. Let us embrace the truth. Let us rise up to the challenge. Let us uh, strengthen our commitment to do that which God has called us to do. Again, I just for a quick review of our vision, our mission, and our strategy. Our vision is to develop lifelong secrets of the kingdom of God. I don't care where you are, whether you are a, a Christian who's been a Christian for 92 years or you're a brand new Christian for the just last few months or you're a man who's, or woman who is hostile to Christ. We want to see you develop into a lifelong seeker of the kingdom of God from Matthew 6.33. Understand that God is who we worship. Our, our mission is simply is just to, to obey the great commandment or the great commission is to, to go therefore in the world to teach and to baptize, to make disciples with the heart of the great commandment, to love God with all our heart, our soul, our might, and our neighbor as herself. The way in which we're going to do that is to reach up in worship by focusing on God, and that's why we give you scripture, that's why we give you a training and things of that nature, is to focus and worship on God 24-7. Uh, 
We want you to reach up by encouraging and challenging each other to become more like Christ. That's why we have our, our uh, ACC, our adult core classes and our small groups. That's the, that's the avenue, that's the, or the engine, so to speak, that is helping us do that. That's why I want to encourage you to come to those. Then lastly is to reach out by loving others, by serving them and sharing the good news of the gospel. Hence why we want to go in and just share the gospel. You should be sharing in your neighborhood, at your work, wherever you go, but we want to do it corporately as a body of Christ. Why? Because we have the truth in a world that is desperately in need of truth. Amen? Let us rise to the challenge. Let us rise or strengthen our commitment. Let us embrace the truth of God. There we had bed, head bowed and every eye closed. I'm going to ask Brandon to come on up and then Randy, the worship team. And I want to just consider Jesus says, oh, that's right, we have, I'm sorry, we have communion. You're right. But Randy, you come on up. Sorry, guys, thank you. We want to consider these things of Christ. He is the truth. Do you need to rise to the challenge? Do you need to commit? In which way do you need to embrace the truth? The Bible tells us, let us supply what is lacking in your faith. If there is any way that you are struggling with the truth of Christ, would you come and let one of us, the elders, know? We'd love to encourage you, to challenge you. This year, let's make it a year that we embrace the truth as we see the tide rising against us, that we may be anchored surely, truly, into the word of God, that others may come to know him. Randy, would you come and close us in prayer and prepare our hearts for communion? We hope you have enjoyed this week's message. We encourage you to share it with others. If you have any questions or comments, please email us at info at orangevilla.org. Be sure and join us for next week's message by subscribing to this podcast. To learn more about our ministry, submit prayer requests, or to find ways you can help hear the gospel, visit us online at orangevilla.org. Till next time, we hope the grace and peace of God's love be ever present in your life.